Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for the first ever episode of Cedar and Cypress podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Liv. We are so excited to have you here with us. We are just two friends who met at work and we really love the Lord and we love his word. We just wanted to talk about the Bible, about theology, about our world, and we're just so excited to have you with us to experience these conversations with us. So before we get started, we kind of wanted to start with something a little fun, um, and that is to go over and share the best parts of our week. So if you want to go first, Olivia, what was the best part of your week? Yeah. Um, I feel like the best part of my week was probably just hanging out with, uh, some girls from my church. Um, so one of the girls decided to have a movie night on St. Patrick's day. So it was super fun. We just kind of went to her house and had snacks. Um, she made these like, what are they called? Like rice crispy treats, but with lucky charms. So it was like St. Patrick's Day. Um, but yeah, so it was really fun. It was just fun to kind of hang out and like watch a movie together and just have some good time together. So that was probably the best part of my week. Yeah. What movie did you guys watch? Um, we watched Leap Year. We like it's super cute, super cheesy rom-com kind of movie, um, which is great to just watch, you know, with girlfriends and stuff. But um, yeah, I think we were just trying to find something St. Patrick's Day themed. <laughs> and there aren't really like St. Patrick's Day movies. <laughs> so we were like, this is in Ireland. That that counts, right? So yeah, it yeah, definitely it was fun, counts. Though. It definitely right? counts. I'll give it to you. I think so. So yeah, it was fun. But um, what was the best part of your week? Uh, so the best part of my week was probably uh, all related to one thing, but over the course of a few days. So uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday evening after work, um, I was at the gym. And um, I haven't been consistently going to the gym since Christmas. The hectic chaos of Christmas and the new year kind of fell off the wagon, even though I was going really consistently before that. And so it was really nice to just be back at the gym consistently every day, be taking care of myself and getting back into the swing of things. So that was definitely the best part of my week. Yeah, I definitely get that. I feel like going to the gym is just something that kind of gives you a stress reliever, like it gets those endorphins up. Like you just feel so much better when you work out regularly. At least we feel that way anyway. Yes. <laughs> we like to work out. <laughs> I know not everyone does, but we like it. We think it's fun. <laughs> yeah. I know for some people it might have been the worst part of their week, but it gives me a boost to self-confidence. <laughs> I feel stronger mentally as well. Because when you push yourself yes. physically and you do a couple more reps than normal or you run a little bit farther on the treadmill, uh, you can be proud of yourself. And that's just the best part. So, yes, for sure. Well, awesome. So we're going to jump right in. Um, we wanted to start our first episode off just talking about God, just talking about his character, um, who he is uh, in reference to biblical um theology and just scripture in general. Um, cause we're going to be talking a lot about God, um, just kind of over the course of this podcast, we wanted most of our topics to be on God and on theology and cultural issues. Um, but we want to do so through a Christian worldview and lens. So we just wanted to make sure that we lay that foundation for who we're talking about when we say God. Um, cause we are going to be saying 
a lot about him and describing him in a lot of different ways. So um, with that said, let's jump right in. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about, because uh, we see it a lot in our culture, is just the fact that um, people are often putting God into a box. Um, we just kind of see it all the time where people say that they know God, people say that they're Christian, people say that, um, you know, maybe they're not even really religious, air quotes there, um, but they like believe in God, they believe there's a higher power, things like that. Um, yet they kind of just go on living their lives in the same way that they, you know, would live if they had no faith at all, no religion at all. Um, so that's kind of what we mean when we're saying that they put God into a box, like they kind of form him to be what they want him to be. Uh, they form him to be, um, you know, compatible, I guess, to how they want to live their lives and the things that they want to do and believe rather than looking to any source of truth or biblical um, wisdom to kind of form how they actually believe um, God is. So, um, Allison, what do you think about that, about like cultural society kind of forming things to their own view? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that we all struggle with in one way or another uh, to try to understand the perfect creator, the being Mm -hmm. who created our world, rules over the universe for us to try to understand him can be really challenging. And I think that comes out of a very genuine place for a lot of people who Mm -hmm. look around the world, they see the news, they see the horrible things that happen in our world. And they just think, how can there be a God who is good? How can there be someone ruling over the world that created me and created everybody else? How can he be loving if this is how the world works. And I think Mm -hmm. that's something that we all struggle with to a certain extent and why some people either dismiss God, think he doesn't exist at all, or try to paint him in a more shallow light, which we will get to a little bit later in this podcast. But I think there are a lot of ways we'll try to put him in a box and doubting his goodness or even his existence based on the circumstances we see around the world is one of the biggest challenges, I think. And I don't know if you've ever struggled with that before, but I certainly have when I started getting older and in college started following the news more closely, got more interested in government politics um, and even foreign affairs. When I started following those things, it's like, oh God, you created this world and I know you love each person. How can Mm -hmm. you let the world look this way? Uh, And that's one way that I have put God into a box. I don't know if Mm -hmm. you have struggled with that before. Yeah, definitely. I think there are many times that we kind of all put God into a box, just like, Mm -hmm. um, I think just kind of in our own selfishness and in our, um, just in the battle between our spirit and our flesh, it's really easy to do that even just with like day-to-day stuff. Um, you know, cause it's, it's really, it's easy to do that as well. I think with the big things with politics, with like seeing how the world is today and all of that, um, cause we see so much suffering. Um, but I think just even on my end, um, there's a lot of times where I'll put God into the box of my emotions. Mm. Um, if I'm being totally honest, like, especially, um, as someone who I would say is an emotional person <laughs> as much as I hate to admit it. Um, I've always been one of those people. I'm like, Psh. I don't cry. Like I'm not emotional. And then I do like a lot. Um, so 
I, I think I tend to do that a lot. Like if I'm feeling like life is unfair or I'm feeling discontent or I'm feeling um, unhappy, I'm feeling fearful, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling depressed. Um, any of those kinds of things, like all these negative emotions can kind of start to distort my view of who God is and who his character is. Um which at the end of the day, I really feel like is just lies kind of seeping into your head and things that you're just beginning to accept um, that really aren't true. They're not the truth of scripture. They're not who we know God to be, but we can get so caught up in, um, well, I feel angry. I feel discontent. I feel unhappy. So God must not care. Um, you know, so God must not really care about me. God must not be um, as good as I thought he must not be providing. Um, and while we might not even think those things like directly, we're kind of indirectly thinking them by allowing ourselves to just fester in those things. Um, so I know I can definitely put God in a box in that way for sure. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad that you mentioned scripture because that's truly what it's all about. When we talk about God, what we're trying to figure out is who does God say he is? Let him mm-hmm. speak for himself because the best way you're going to get to know anybody is by spending time with them. You can right. hear from your mom all about her sister, your aunt, but you'll never actually know your aunt well unless you spend time with her. Uh, it's the right. same way for God that we have to remember he has been very clear about who he is, his intentions, who he loves, who he cares for, what is important to him what he likes, what he dislikes, what he loves and what he hates. And Mm -hmm. he does that all in scripture. And the truth is that the source of his character is revealed there. He will explain himself if we're only willing to seek it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like we just want to come out point blank as well and just say that um, as believers um, in Christ, uh, we definitely want to um, just affirm that we believe that scripture is infallible. We believe that scripture is the ultimate source of truth. Um, and we believe that it is good, um, that it has no error. Um, it's not lost in translation. Um, so we just kind of want to put that out there as well. Um, so when we are looking at God's character based on scripture, technically we are looking at God's character based on how he has revealed himself to us um, and in the most true way possible. Um, Cause we really do believe that that is the basis for all truth as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we did want to talk a little bit about what it means to try to fit God into a box or what it means to try to fit him into our intellect. Now, I know you mentioned a little bit earlier, Liv, that Because you are an emotional person, there are times in which you try to fit God into those circumstances and the way you're understanding him in that current moment. Uh, Mm -hmm. I tend to be, and have been told this by my family and people in my life, that I tend to err on the side of logic. And so something Mm -hmm. has to make sense in my mind, in my logic, in my intellect, God's intentions or what he does. I have to try to fit my mind around to make it make sense to me. Why would he do that? Why would he allow that? And so Mm -hmm. I think that's really what I mean when I say that we try to fit God into our intellect. We are all humans. We're fallible and imperfect. You'd be hard pressed to find anyone who thinks that 
everybody in the world is perfect. And so in Mm -hmm. our imperfection, we try to fit a perfect God into our imperfect understanding. So we will try to run logical circles around God saying that we'll outsmart him because we think that if you allow that, you're not good. Or if you allow me to experience this, you're not loving. Um, Mm -hmm. And that can be really challenging. The truth is that in those moments, we are sinfully trying to paint him in lights that we think are right, but that's not how Mm -hmm. he's described himself. And then the flip side of that is thinking God is kind of like a genie or painting him Mm -hmm. in a shallow light, thinking God is just good. He wants me to be happy. He's only love. He just wants to bless me and my life will be great because I'm following God or it will be easy. It will be great. It will be joyful, but it will not necessarily be easy. Um, So what are some things you think that we as humans experience or are very common to our human experience that we might try to say or do or feel that God wouldn't do? What are ways we represent ourselves that God chooses not to do? Hmm, That's a really good question, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I mean, I think just because we are fallen creatures, like we are made in the image of God, but we are in no way God. Um, So there are lots of things I think that we kind of do um, or think where we're trying to fit God into our own minds um, or even our own desires. I think that that's a very common thing that we see just kind of in culture today, especially um, with so many things that are happening um, that I think, you know, we can confidently say when looking at scripture that they are sin Um, because we're sinful people, we often want these things. We desire these things that are not of God at all. But a lot of times when we do that, we're trying to kind of fit God into someone who is okay with those things. Someone who, uh, is even for those things or supports those things. Um, so that's kind of what I would say, I guess it's like, it's a very common human experience to, uh, base a lot of things um, I guess on sin or our own selfish desires. Um, and that has nothing to do, you know, with God's character and with who he is, because there is no sin in him. But, um, what would you say about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that one kind of concrete example we could look at is lying. Now it's one of the most Mm -hmm. basic and common things to the human experience. I don't think you could find anyone on this earth who could tell you that they have never lied once in their life. The only person who could ever do that ever was Jesus. Right. But, um, in numbers 23 verse 19, God says that God is not a human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Mm-hmm. And that's the complete opposite of the way we as humans operate. We lie to protect ourselves. We change our minds. We change our minds like the wind. Our emotions right. change like the wind. Um, there are plenty of things that we have said we will do and we don't, or we say we won't right. do and we do. Uh, there are promises that we have made that we have not fulfilled or kept to. And I think that's just one of the most basic and common things to being a person Mm -hmm. is, you know, changing your mind, having changing emotions or lying at least sometime in your life. I know I have, uh, I don't think I could find an honest person who would tell me that they've never lied in their life. And that's just one example of how God is so above 
and so separate mm-hmm. and different. We will find later as we talk through some of these other points of doctrine and theology, when we say God is holy, that's what we mean. He's completely above. He is a completely mm-hmm. different type of being from us. Um, and so I think that's one example. Do you think there's kind of some other things that are common to human nature that, you know, God doesn't do or I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, definitely. When you're talking, it made me think of that verse um, in Romans 7 where Paul is talking about um, just kind of the struggle between sinful nature and um, the Holy Spirit kind of within us. Um, And the verse, it's kind of almost comical, Mm -hmm. like the way that it's written. I feel like just because it's like, it's so relatable. Paul says uh, in verse 15, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good as it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me for. I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Yes. And like, that's a lot of like, do want to do, not want to do in there. Um, But I think overall, the concept is just like this battle within us constantly as believers between like, this is what my sinful nature desires to do. And this is what I know that I need to do. This is what I know I should do. This is what's right. This is what good, what's good, what's holy. Um, because obviously we have the discernment of the Holy Spirit within us. Um, but it's just this constant struggle. <laughs> so we are definitely not transcendent in the way that God is above all of those things. We are not perfectly good. We are not perfectly holy. Um, whereas God is those things 100%. Um, so kind of moving on from that, um, we do actually want to talk a little bit just about God's attributes just in general. Um, cause we kind of mentioned a few of them here and there, like his holiness, his goodness, um, the fact that he does not lie, um, all of that. So we kind of wanted to just jump into those a little bit. Um, so one of the things that, I kind of wanted to distinguish between are his communicable attributes and his incommunicable attributes. Um, So his communicable attributes are um, basically the nature of God that is shared with those who are made in his image. Um, So basically like humans can experience these things and they can share in these things. Um, So what do you think some of those are, Allison? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to distinguish between the different type of attributes that God has, because I think that when we fail to recognize the difference between those things, that's how we sometimes could elevate either ourselves into God's position Mm -hmm. in our life or other people. We could idolize people in our lives, relationships in our lives, or even celebrities, people we see online that we really admire and for good reason, because we see those attributes within people that are good and are great and that God put within them to Mm -hmm. reveal himself through other people. So I'm so glad that you mentioned the difference between that. Um, And one of them is just in the first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, Mm -hmm. God created the heavens and the earth. If you continue to read through that passage, you will see the amazing creativity um, and intelligence of God and his intricacy in all of the things he's created. And that is one uh, 
element and characteristic that he has given humans who are made in his image, creativity. Mm-hmm. We create yeah. amazing, beautiful things, music, art, movies, uh, architecture, plenty of beautiful things in this world that podcast him. Podcasts. There's so many amazing things in the world that we don't even realize that gift is from God, our ability to write yeah. a song, to craft a story. And we don't always attribute those to God. We mm-hmm. don't realize that the only reason we even have breath and could create is because God is creative and he chose in his love to give us that ability. That's just one. I don't know. Are there any others like you can think of? Yeah, absolutely. I love that you brought that up though. Cause I feel like that's not one that people talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like with the communicable attributes, there are so many of them. Um, thankfully glory to God. Um, we have the ability to love. We have the ability, um, by the power of the Holy spirit to know right from wrong, to know good from evil. Um, we, you know, can love others. We can have joy. Um, we know justice apart from injustice. Um, you know, so many things that, um, God has given us, um, through being image bearers of him, um, that, you know, we see in everyday lives, but we might not necessarily identify, um, so there really are so many of them, but I love that you brought up creativity as well. Um, cause that's a huge gift. I feel like, I feel like that is kind of one of those ones where it's like, God didn't have to give us that. Like, you know, cause when you think of creativity, it's such an outlet. It's such a beautiful thing for so many people and it can be executed in so many different ways. Um, so I love that. Um, but there are definitely some other attributes of God that we do not share, that we cannot share with him. Um, and those are what we call the incommunicable attributes. Um, so these are, you know, attributes that definitely set God apart from his creation. Um, one of them is his transcendence. The fact that he is above all things, that he is um, higher, you know, than we will ever be um, just in every way. Um, he is magnified in that way. Um, some of the other ones are um, what I like to think of as like the omnis, yes. <laughs> omnip- yeah, omnipresence, omnipotent, omni- uh, omniscience. Um, those are three as well. Um, do you want to expand on those a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So the three main omnis we're referring to is omnipresence. So being everywhere at all times, mm-hmm. omniscience which is knowing everything, past, present, future, and um, omnipotent, being the Mm -hmm. most powerful being in the world who created the world and being above Mm -hmm. all, which is related to his transcendence. All three of those relate back to his transcendence, but those are what we mean when we use those words. And that is, again, like Liv mentioned, to distinguish how we don't share those attributes. And thank goodness, thank God that we don't, that we don't know all things. Can you imagine what life would be like being able to always read other people's minds, being able to be present with everyone in your life all the time? Can you imagine (laughs) the stress? Yeah, that'd be a lot. (laughs) Um, All the introverts are quaking. Oh, absolutely. I am. (laughs) Um, And then uh, being the most powerful being in the world. Thank God, again, that we don't have the power to to change other people, to direct events in the course of history, because, you know, he knows that we would mess those things up. And so those God knows all things is present everywhere and is the most powerful over them. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think um, just in a lot of ways, when we do kind of going back to putting God in a box, um, when we do kind of try to bring him down to our level in that way, um, and not, you know, not in the way of understanding him necessarily, because obviously we should, you know, try to know him more, understand him more. We'll never fully understand um, a God who is transcendent. Um, however, like that doesn't mean we shouldn't strive to, of course. Um, but um, apart from that, like going back to putting God in the box, it's kind of like we're downgrading those incommunicable attributes because we're trying almost to define him by um, human understanding um, which of course, I mean, we're human. So like, how can we understand him in any other way? But I feel like when we do that, where we're like, oh, well, God is only these things, um, whether that be on one end of the spectrum where God is only love or the other end of the spectrum, God is only just and wrathful, um, kind of going off of that. It's really downgrading who God is as a whole. Um, cause we're kind of taking away the other things that truly make him God and just trying to understand him almost as like, um, you know, just the, the communicable attributes, just the things that we could share with him. If that makes sense. Yes. Yes. We try to understand him as if he was one of us, as if he was someone in our, you know, just in our inner circle that we hang out with or, you know, we're really close to, um, we try to liken the way that we operate as broken people to God's Mm -hmm. ways. So that God's like God's ways need to operate within my understanding of how I operate uh, of my will, of my heart and his mode of acting in the world. And we're going to, you know, explore all those different pieces uh, in the biblical narrative. But we think God's mode of acting even is similar to the way we are or our timelines are like his. We try Mm -hmm. to fit God's timing into ours or rush to make things happen or put off things that we don't want to go through in our lives. And so I think that's really important. Knowing who God truly is, is vitally important so that we cannot possibly skew his character into something that he is not and try to manipulate his attributes into something we understand because we are image bearers of him. Knowing his character changes how we view not only God, but our relation to him and our position with him, which is absolutely one of the most essential aspects about faith in God and the Christian God that we could possibly have. Right. Yeah. No, that's so true. Yeah. That's like another thing is, um, you know, part of the reason that we wanted to talk about all of this is because that's why it's important, you know, is understanding like where we stand with God, understanding where, um, you know, we're at when it comes to him and just the fact that he truly is so holy, um, you know, and he is so above us. Like that's so important to understand so that we can't skew his character um, so that we can't turn him into something that, you know, he really isn't um, so that we can't fit him into the box. Like we've been mentioning this whole time. So um, that is very true. So we kind of wanted to next just talk about um, just the doctrine of the Trinity just a little bit. We didn't want to jump into this too heavily, but we did feel like this was needed, you know, as we're having a conversation about God, um, the Trinity is vital in that. So we kind of wanted to describe that a little bit. Um, but Allison, do you want to kind of give your thoughts on that first? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to go back to one thing you said, uh, just, just right now that we could, you know, skew God into something. And I just want to make the distinction for anyone listening that, 
we don't actually mean that we could skew God into something that he's not. What we mean is Mm -hmm. that we could have a wrong understanding of God that might lead us away from him, that might cause us to walk away from him or cause us to ignore him or ignore his calling upon our life. That, you know, no matter how humans have acted, you will see God acts consistently and is consistent throughout all of history. We could never make Mm -hmm. him something that he's not, but we could live in such a way that we fail to understand him. And that would Mm -hmm. be the greatest tragedy of all time to not understand and to not know who God is while he is really something else the whole time and to be thinking that he is this I don't know, genie or other ways we think of him in our lives or just that he's angry with us and that he, you know, wants to terminate us. If we live with any wrong understanding of God, we are the ones missing out. He is not. He is still doing his work in the world. We are the ones that who are just completely going to cause suffering upon ourselves by living in such a way where we understand him wrong or completely miss the point. Um, So I, I do want to you know, piggyback off what you were saying, I'm going to go ahead and I'll kind of jump into one person of the Trinity and I'll pass it back to you uh, for whoever you would like to speak about next. And I guess I can take the last one, but I I guess I'm just going to start with talking about the father, because would we say God, I think a lot of times we, we are thinking about God, the father, we think of this like big guy in the sky. who's kind of like running us like puppets or whatever it may be but we also know Mm -hmm. he created the world like who is this guy what is he all about and we know that all three persons of the trinity were present at the creation of the world but when we hear Mm -hmm. god speak that's the father speaking the father is the one who is also present and working with Um, the israelites throughout the old testament biblical narrative he is the one that you will see be present among them and with them, the one who makes covenants with them that they end up breaking, mm-hmm. which we will talk about as well. He's yes. really the main actor that we see in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. He is, they all share the same attributes and transcendence and sovereignty, but he's just the one that we are most familiar with before Jesus enters. So, mm-hmm. That's really the way you can get to know him is by getting to know the events of the Old Testament, because he will more than reveal himself through those stories, through those, you know, just beginning in Genesis, you can see who he is. And um, right. he was the one present with Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, he, he's right. all over the place in the Old Testament specifically. Yeah. And one thing that we wanted to point out as well, um, just about God, the father, uh, is that he's not far away from us. Um, he didn't just create the world and then disappear and watch us from afar. Um, that's actually what we call deism. Um, so he is still, you know, above it all, but he is present with us. Um, that's actually what we call his imminence, which is another incommunicable attribute. Um, But yeah, so we just wanted to make that known that God is personal, that he is present. Um, And the reason that we can know him, that we can have a relationship with him is through his son, Jesus. Um, So we found a verse that we thought was um, just really beautiful and truly describes um, just who Jesus was as a whole. Um, So it's actually in Hebrews chapter one, 
um, which states he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited in more excellent than theirs. So basically, um, this verse just kind of describes Jesus in general, that he is the son of God. Um, he is the one who was incarnated so that he, uh, could die and raise, uh, rise again so that, uh, we could be connected to God, the father. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really amazing picture of how Jesus is not at all inferior to God, the father, even mm-hmm. though that might be a temptation to think of what them being son and father, it is not as if there is something that God does that Jesus is not capable of, or that Jesus isn't aware of. Although there is one verse in which Jesus does talk about, he doesn't know the exact time he'll return. That's probably the only exception mm-hmm. to that, uh, that rule that Jesus might not know something that God knows. And that is something altogether separate. We still want to mention it because we don't want to ignore that that verse exists and we can jump into that in another right. time. But that this verse is explaining that Jesus upholds the, the universe, just like God does it that he's the exact imprint of his nature. He is God in the flesh. And when we, right. when we want to understand something about the father, we can go to Jesus, the son, and mm-hmm. we can see how they are one person. So it's very cool. You can understand one person in Trinity by looking at a different one. Um, and right. that kind of leads us to the third person of the Trinity that I think, I don't know if you would agree with this, Liv, but somebody who is really neglected, uh, someone who I tend to have a harder time understanding personally, even though I've been a Christian Mm -hmm. all my life, relating to the spirit, knowing he's working in my life, but sometimes I fail to see him. And I think he can be very challenging to explain. And so I've heard this metaphor pretty often that you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. You can see the leaves blowing. You can see the trees swaying. You can see what the wind does and how it moves things. And I think it's a really awesome metaphor for the Holy Spirit because you can't always see and understand him, but you can absolutely see the work he does in your life. The Holy Spirit's role is to kind of take on sort of an administrative role. Jesus left, when he ascended back to heaven, he left the disciples with the spirit and he told them to baptize people in the name of the spirit, the father, son, the Holy spirit. And the spirit is the one who helps us become more like Christ, which we call sanctification. The spirit is the one who carries out that role and that um, changing of us that Jesus Mm -hmm begins that work in us by helping us become righteous with God and having a right position with God, the father, the Holy spirit is the one who kind of administers that change in us. So sometimes Mm -hmm. when you feel this beckoning to say something kind to somebody or to do something for somebody, or you're being convicted and you have this feeling in your conscience that something you're doing isn't quite right. You don't Mm -hmm. know why that's the Holy spirit. And that's how you can pinpoint his work in your life because he is the one that administers that change in you once you've become um, justified through Jesus, you're justified with God. The spirit does that work in you. Right. Yeah. The spirit is the one who sanctifies us, which is a lifelong Mm -hmm. process for sure. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's really interesting to me to see, um, just the doctrine of the Trinity, three persons, three essences. Um, well, it's actually in the Greek, it's called homoousius, which is, um, basically the same nature, the same essence. Um, so the Trinity is described as that, um, three in one essence, three in one nature. Um, so I think that's kind of important to note. Um, Something that I also think is really interesting about the Trinity is that obviously we know like in the new covenant, which is what we're living under right now, um, we can see, you know, each member of the Trinity, we know like they're, they're, um, what's the word I'm looking for Mm -hmm. here? Like what they're doing right now, where they're at, that kind of thing. Um, like, I don't really want to say location, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe like, mode of operation or role kind of. Yeah. The role. That's a good word. I'm like, brain, what are you doing? Um, yeah. Like, you know, God, the father, obviously yeah. watching over us in heaven. Um, Jesus at the right hand of the father, the Holy spirit is within us. Um, and I think it's really cool because you can see in Genesis um, one, as well as John one, one that each of those members of the Trinity are mentioned as having been present um, before the world was created and in the creation of the world. Um, Like we see in Genesis one, one, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now that is referring to God, the father. Um, So we see that member of the Trinity is there. John one, one states that in the beginning, the word was with God. Um, And the word is Jesus. Um, Likewise, we also see in verse two of Genesis one that it says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Um, So I think it's really cool to see like um, just God's um, like eternal being kind of represented in scripture Um, you know, even until now, like we see this in the beginning of scripture, um, that God, you know, each member of the Trinity was present at the beginning, Mm -hmm. which is super cool. Yeah. And another, I'm really glad you went back to Genesis as well, because I think it points to the fact that we talked a little bit earlier about how the scriptures are the way we know God. Mm -hmm. God is not shy about the fact that he exists this way. He wanted us to know. He put it right there at the beginning. He didn't, he knew that it would be challenging for us to understand, but he didn't want us to not wrestle with it, to ignore it and to, you know, act like it's not there and that we can just keep going on our way without at least trying to understand and trying to connect with all three persons. And one thing that I do want to make important and distinct distinction is, that it's not a polytheistic faith. Now, by polytheism, yeah. there are a lot of faiths slash religions in the world that have multiple gods, multiple deities that play different parts in the world. They may be god of certain elements like the sun or the weather or the rain or fertility. We'll see that in many different cultures across history right. and even now, but that the god of Christianity makes himself known in such a different way. He says, no, I'm one God. You worship just me, but we are three persons. And he, he says that clearly. He doesn't want us to ignore it. He wants us to wrestle with it. He wants us to try to understand. He wants us to dig deeper. And that's why he was very clear about it. And that's also why even when Jesus was baptized, that God, the father revealed himself and sent a dove. And there was a voice from heaven saying, this is my son who I am 
actually I'm having a hard time remembering exactly what he says. So I want to go to that verse. Yeah, I, I believe it's my son who I'm pleased in whom with. I am well pleased. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if he said who I love or who I'm well pleased. He says, okay, he says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy, who I'm well pleased with. So, okay, so both. and pleased with. It's both. Yes. So all across the scriptures, you'll see this consistency. God is consistent. He right. doesn't change the way he describes himself. The only thing would ever change is the way we understand him. I mean, I definitely love um, kind of what you just said about um you know, all three persons of the Trinity kind of operating together as one. Um, Cause we do want to make that distinction that this is a mono theist view that we're representing here um, that we are talking about one God. Um, I do think that um, this is something that will always be somewhat a mystery. Um, there are specific doctrines just within scripture um, and just within the study of theology as a whole that um, we can do our best to understand <laughs> and we can do all the study and we can do, um, you know, everything we can to truly understand them as a whole. And while there is always more we can understand, we'll never fully grasp um, these things because it is honestly just part of the transcendence of God that there are certain things that we will never understand as human beings, um, just as fallen human beings who uh, cannot possibly comprehend the whole of that. So the Trinity is one of those things. We do want to uh, distinguish that as well, um, that we are aware, you know, we'll never know the full um, doctrine of the Trinity. However, we can understand aspects of it like we just talked about. Yes. And I also want to encourage anyone who might be listening, if this particular part about Christianity is hard, that's Mm -hmm. okay. It doesn't have to be easy to understand. If you're struggling to understand how it could be one God in three persons, you are not alone. People have struggled with understanding this aspect of God since since the world began. And that it's okay if it's hard for you to wrap your head around. That's why we're talking about it so that we can share in that struggle with you. Um, Right. One thing that St. Augustine, one of the um, early church fathers said is if you understood him, he would not be God. If he was Mm -hmm. easy to decipher and he made sense logically all the time, he wouldn't be God. Mm -hmm. And that really goes back to what we were saying earlier is that God doesn't operate within our intellect. He doesn't need to. He has no obligation to you, mm-hmm. yet he loves you, yet he yeah, wants yeah. to be in your life. He wants you to explore him and try to understand him and um, push into these things and to not ignore them. So, yeah, I just want to encourage anyone listening, if that is something that is really hard for you to wrap your head around, we're right, right there with you. Yeah, I think it's hard for everyone to understand, to be totally honest, Um, because it's something that is just so complex. Um, It's such a paradigm, and it's so hard to understand sometimes. Um, I do think there is a quote um, that I kind of wanted to read, just because I feel like it does just put it so simply. With something like this, I feel like sometimes it's almost easier to understand when we just put it simply. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in church history, there was actually quite a debate on this. Um, who is the Trinity? Is it one God? What is the difference between each member of the Trinity? What are their roles, etc.? cetera? Um, so they actually had uh, several councils where um, the church fathers came together to talk about this. Um, and they decided on um, what they... Um, would kind of make 
as the statement, I guess you could call it, um, for the basis of Christian belief on the Trinity. And this is based off of scripture as well. It's called the Nicene Creed. Um, So I'm just going to read like the first part of it because it's kind of long, but it basically says, um, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. Um, So it kind of talks about all of them. And then later it says, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. So I feel like that kind of just lays it out very simply. Like this is who each member of the Trinity is. And they are one God. They are one essence. They are one nature. Yeah, that gives me chills hearing you read that. And isn't it good? I love that. I love the Nicene Creed. And it's so cool. It reminds me that if there's no person of the Trinity that's not accessible. Now, the way Mm -hmm. that we live under Jesus's sacrifice and resurrection, there is no one person that you cannot pray to, that you cannot call upon, that you can't, who can't comfort you. Every single one of them being one God is accessible to you through the work of Jesus. And I think that really brings me to what kind of is our final point that we wanted to discuss is that first of all, we know who God truly is. And how do we know that? The scriptures. And knowing who God is, is vitally important to understanding who we are and who we are in position to him. Mm -hmm. And if both of those things are true, that we know God through the scriptures and we know God is the transcendent being creator of all, if God truly is who he says he is, then what does that make us? Yeah. We are sinners. We're in a broken, fallen world. And we can discuss in later episodes why. We live in a fallen Mm -hmm. world, such a broken, chaotic world. We're absolutely inadequate. We're terrible. We are selfish. We are adulterers. We are murderers. We are haters of good. The Bible calls us those who are in God now. Before we knew God, we're called children of wrath. We Mm -hmm. need God's help to even desire him, to even want to know him. And This really brings me to something that I think I couldn't say any better. It's this quote from C.S. Lewis from The Weight of Glory. I'm just going to go ahead and read it for us. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Mm. That's convicting. It is. It truly is. What we desire, what we chase after is not God. It's not this being who he reveals himself to be. So if God is indeed not a liar and he is truthful when he describes himself and explains himself to us in the scriptures as the creator of all, as the ruler of all, if he is who he reveals himself to be, then that means we are in deep, deep trouble. So Mm -hmm. what's next? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing is, is that that's where uh, sin leaves us. You know, that's where total depravity leaves us as um, when we come into this world, we are totally depraved. We are sinful creatures um, who need God, who need a savior, who need saving. Um, So I think it's just kind of important to note that the message of the gospel um, is what solves this problem. Um, This is truly, you know, how God solved this problem and how God brought us to know himself. Adding on to that, the this episode has really been a bird's eye view of God. This is mm-hmm. this is not even scratching the surface of who God yeah. is and who he shows himself For to sure. be. And even how he's operating right now in our world today, even though the Bible has been written and it's complete, he's still working. And yeah. what we want to do really, and what we wanted to accomplish with this first episode is to give that flyby view. Who are we talking about when we say God? This is who we're mm-hmm. talking about. The God who created everything, the God who rules over our universe and didn't just create it and leave it, but is still present yeah. in our day-to-day lives, sees everything that's going on and is working those things for his glory and for our good. And so just kind of as a sneak preview to to what we're wanting to look at next is jumping into some of the names of God, what he calls himself, what people have called him over the past, Mm -hmm. kind of looking at what are names that he's endorsed for himself and what are ones that he has rejected. And we've already gone over one of them actually is liar. He has completely rejected Mm -hmm. that label for himself. And we, that again, like I said, it's just the tip of the iceberg of different ways that we can call upon and understand God. And we will dive deeper into the gospel, why we are fallen why we need Jesus, but really, it really begins with understanding the person of God. If you don't understand who God is, you've missed every other thing about the Christian faith because it's all about him. I don't know. Did you, did you have any thoughts to add on to that? Yeah, definitely. I feel like, um, you know, like we said, we just kind of wanted to give a broad overview of who God is, um, because there really is so much more uh, to him that we could ever say in one podcast or a thousand. Um, You know, we've been talking for a second here and we've really only scratched the surface of who he is, but we did want to give that brief overview just so we really understand that moving forward, because we are going to talk about so many different things. So we just want to make sure that we establish who God is to just kind of go off of that, that we are talking about the God of the Bible. We are talking about the God um, who has these incommunicable and communicable attributes. We are talking about the God who is three in one, um, et cetera. So Um, Yeah, but thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. Um, I know I had a good time just talking about this. I love talking about this kind of stuff. Um, I think it's awesome. I think it needs to be talked about more. Um, So just make sure that you follow us on Instagram. Our name is Cedar and Cypress Pod. Um, and, uh, we're going to have these episodes out, uh, hopefully every Sunday, we're going to try our best to do that, um, just on all of your preferred listening platforms. So, um, yeah, thank you for joining and we'll see you guys next time.